0: Welcome to the Latin MedTech Leaders podcast. This is a weekly conversation with MedTech leaders who have succeeded in Latin America. Today, our guest is Laura Minarch. Laura is a senior clinical affairs strategist and president of MMC Medical International Services. She consults for several novel innovative medical device companies and has facilitated numerous acquisitions over the, her 25-year career. Her track record is based on successful and strategically planned first in human submissions and clinical studies in Europe, Canada, South America, New Zealand, and Australia. Laura began her career as a registered cardiovascular invasive specialist and interventional cardiovascular specialist, implementing several first interventional device programs in Europe. Lara has served as a principal clinical affairs advisor of several medical device companies acquired by Covidian, Boston Scientific, Medtronic, and Johnson & Johnson. Laura, welcome to the show.
1: Good morning. How are you doing? Good. Uh,
0: Thank you for joining the call. I also thank you for accepting my invitation to speak today. I truly look forward to this conversation today.
1: Okay. Well, let's see. What can I help with? Well, Laura,
0: two things here. Uh, I have two items for the agenda. First is the uh, conversation about the EU MDR. You seem to have a, a very uh, fascinating experience in, in clinical research and, and regulatory affairs, etc. And I sent you some of the questions that I have on the topic. It's only about six questions.
1: Oh, I got them. Okay. In light of the rigorosity of the European MDR, are U.S. medtech companies still considering the EU To answer the first question, yes, absolutely. But what's happening right now is that a lot of small uh, tech companies are approaching sort of a parallel path, whereby, depending on how far along they are, uh, they might be looking at, you know, the uh, FDA, the agency is now trying to entice a lot of small technology companies to spend more time in the United States and less time by the United States. So the early feasibility platform is very enticing. So some companies are approaching a parallel path in that they're, um, after they do their first in human phase and feel comfortable with where they're at with that, which is definitely likely not to be in the U.S. and likely mm-hmm. to be in a non-tier one country, Then, uh, once they've achieved that hurdle, then they move into uh, a parallel path that could involve an early feasibility plan and a European plan at the same time, sort of a parallel path. And before the new regulations are implemented in June of 2020, some companies are actually expediting their uh, application uh, with notified bodies to get involved with the CE mark strategy on the Mm -hmm. earlier side. And there's a couple of notified bodies that are very excited to provide the early modules, even if clinicals haven't been executed yet. So that's a lengthy answer to the first question.
0: Very accurate and very
1: comprehensive. Very good. Thank you for that. All right. Second question. Uh, Yeah. If yours is a medical device design development commercialization company, what's been your company experience with the European MDR? You know, my company provides strategy for very early phase. I'm primarily focused on first in human. So the work that I do is provide a clinical strategy for the very first time something's used. So my work with the UR, uh, the European MDR, I'm only realizing this phase once we've gotten into, there's a couple of companies that I consult for where we're conducting registries in Europe, we're conducting clinicals and we're, I'm writing a protocol that's designed to support a CE mark submission. So at that point, then the EU MDR becomes really much more important for me. But that's a okay. smaller percentage of the companies that I consult for. I would say probably 20%. The other nice. 80% is very early phase. I think there's um, a lot of value to conduct classes on the European MDR. I think that, you know, a lot of regulatory consultants and quality consultants and clinical consultants like myself would be very interested to take classes to understand better so that they can consult better for their clients.
0: Sure.
1: Um, How has the European MDR affected your company's commercialization strategy? I'm not really involved in the commercialization strategy so i probably can't speak to that.
0: Okay, what about the um, clinical strategy?
1: The clinical strategy, again, i think what we're doing now is we're trying to advise companies to maybe get in with an application to a notified body on the earlier side and then, you know, i'm i can't really speak to commercialization other than in that 20% of clients that i work with that have CE mark already. Um, I've been heavily involved with supporting the registry, supporting supporting the Postmark clinical follow-up, and supporting their efforts with regards to vigilance and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, connecting with uh, European authorized representatives and how the cost for a European authorized representative is increasing because the responsibilities for reporting are much greater.
0: Hmm. Out of curiosity, how much is it now, or how much it was before?
1: Well, you could secure an agreement with a company to be your European authorized representative for a couple of thousand dollars a year, and now okay. uh, because the responsibilities for p- reporting are so much greater, and the EA have much more to be responsible for, they're charging they're charging more relative to that. So, a couple thousand dollars a month. Wow, it's a whole new business. For example. There's CROs in Europe that provide this service. There's uh, clinical consulting uh, companies based in Germany that provide the service. You know, they pop up everywhere. Uh, Companies that provide a European authorized representative service. But it comes with lots of responsibility. So Mm -hmm. they're charging more. And that's a whole new business platform. Of course. Let's see. Are med tech companies considering other alternative markets to the Euro- European Union so they can start generating revenue faster? If so, is Latin America one of those markets? No, I don't see med tech companies considering alternative markets to the European Union for, for revenue purposes. The Latin American market, with the companies that I work with at the very early phase, they, we do a lot of work in Latin America um, pre-commercial, pre-commercialization, okay. so not, not so much from a commercial perspective. I think if I understood a little bit more about the post-market phase and what Latin America could offer, I could maybe advise clients better. But uh, I don't see any of the companies that I work with looking at Latin America as an alternative to Europe. Hmm. Okay. Um, what's your general thoughts on early stage clinical trials or selling medical devices in Latin America? Okay, kind of the same question. I think we we like very much going to Colombia. We like very much going to Brazil, which I think is equivalent to Germany as far as how it is viewed upon uh, for submissions both in the U.S. and in Europe. I think data collected in uh, Brazil is very high quality. So, lots of my companies like to conduct trials in Brazil. Obviously, I do a lot of work in Paraguay because it's uh, approval of sort of a private hospital setting. So, companies that want to get experience at a very early phase can go there and stay sort of under the radar before they go to Europe. Uh, so, yeah. we do work in the Dominican Republic. We do work in Panama. On a limited basis, we do work in Paraguay, Colombia, Brazil, Chile. That's about it. Okay. Have you heard about the Pacific Alliance in Latin America? I've heard about it. I don't know that much about it. I would be very interested to learn a little bit more about it. There's a company that I work with, a CRO in Brazil, called CRC, or H-Corp. H mm-hmm. actually acquired CRC, so they do a lot of the submission. They help me with my submission platform. There's a group out of Yale that I worked with.
0: Oh, that's um, at the Medigen Cardiovit. I worked exactly. with them before. Yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. And then, you know, I have a client that wants to approach something a little. Bizarre. You know, I've had some clients (laughs) that wanted to go to Panama. And when you go to Panama, there isn't real ethics committees. And okay, so then if there's not an ethics committee and a company wants to go to a certain facility, I've actually written a charter and hired ethics committee and put an ethics committee together to support a submission. Yeah. No, I'm you know, okay, so oh let's let's go back to the drawing board and so they bought the shoes first, and then we have to get the hat and the dress and everything else, so it's putting everything <laughs> together. But um,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. A couple months ago with a sighting in, in Colombia, with a clinic in Colombia, they didn't have a ethics committee, but the sponsor, which actually, Hankel Chaffee, a company out of Orange County, uh, very close to where you are.
1: Well, I went over there because Mark Glickman is. Mark, um, yeah, he's a good friend. Yeah, DSMD, he's working, with us. Yeah. He's working okay. with us as
0: we speak. He just came back from Colombia. This is like his third or fourth trip. And we're conducting yeah. a trial at a site that uh, with Dr. Uyoa. Dr. Uyoa is a, is, a, is a vascular surgeon who trained in the U.S. And they called me because I'm Mark and Bob Berman. They called me because they wanted to conduct a trial at Dr. Uyoa's clinic. But that clinic didn't have an ethics committee, so I did everything ethics committee approval i mean of course we have to set up the (laughs) ethics committee and then we went to vima which is the regulatory agency we got it approved and uh, yeah it's it's already running
1: yeah so mark and i were on a a DSMB call yesterday for about an hour and a half with another company that's in the vascular access space and he sits on the he's on the board so he was telling us about just coming back but came over to hancock jaffe because i worked with warren hancock many many many, wow, many years ago really? yeah <laughs> I've been in the industry for a long time and you know Warren was a wonderful guy and I knew Mr. Jaffe as well so I went over there and I was consulting with them before they you know I forget the guy who was the CEO but they were asking me questions about getting approvals down there Rob and, and obviously yeah. Yes, yeah exactly so I think you know, I really didn't get too involved with that because, uh, again, it, for me to do things down there, I have to partner with somebody. So sure. I partnered, I told you who I partner with for, for Brazil and, you know, in Panama, we sort of did our own thing. So yeah, well, you already have, you have it out. A new partner in Colombia now. Yeah, no, <laughs> Colombia, I actually did a submission in Colombia on my own for a company that had a device for atrial fibrillation and... We were submitting i look it up right now. Mitraline? Um, Mitral Span? No, it was it's an AF device. It was for a PAMA, which was acquired by a Boston Scientific. But we were going to, we were working with William Uribe, who's at CES, Cardiologia, hmm. Universidad CES.
0: Oh, CES. Yeah, that's in Medellin, Universidad CES.
1: Jorge Gomez was the president of the Ethic Committee down there. And, and I got approval, actually. And I got to the point of going to, in Vima, and then Boston Scientific acquired a PAMA, and then we never went any farther. But oh. I did the whole submission on my own. Wow, impressive. And you yeah. speak Spanish, I imagine. No, I speak Italian. Which I got everything <laughs> translated. Wow. Impressive.
0: Impressive. Well, we went
1: there because we were working with Vivek Reddy out of Mount Sinai, and Vivek wanted to work with William Uribe. He wanted to go to Colombia instead of going to uh, Paraguay or some other place that he was less familiar with.
0: Interesting. Interesting. I don't (laughs) know
1: if if you know something about
0: our, our story, but we started because of my brother's work through the University of Miami, he's an interventional cardiologist, Pedro. And uh, he, he started traveling to Paraguay with Dr. Adrian Eppner, and that's probably who you're well, referring who to. I,
1: yeah. Yeah, From that's Italia who italiano,
0: I The Italian Hospital in Paraguay. Sí, si, italiano okay. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So yeah, we know him well. Pedro been, has been there a few times. He's worked with him. He trained at the University of Miami, if I remember correctly, and that's the affiliation that he had with the university, and that's how Pedro, my brother, He was a professor in the university, and he ended up doing trials with him. And then he also ended up in Colombia.
1: He must know me then, maybe. Oh,
0: probably. I mean, your name, yes. Your name sounds very familiar. I mean, I'm sure my brother knows you. Yeah,
1: He has to, because I'm doing things in Paraguay. I'm leaving Sunday. I'm down there. I've been going down there, taking companies down there for 12 years now.
0: Wow, Laura. Impressive. Fantastic. Wow. Is there a CRO in Paraguay? Is there anybody who's helping you with all these or not? I'm the CRO. Interesting. What about the importation of the devices? Don't you need like a local third party or something?
1: No, we do it with Adrian and he walks us through. uh, That's what I heard. Costumes
0: and and everything. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I heard.
1: (laughs) 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 Uh, In fact, we just did uh, the entire clinical trial for millipede medical in paraguay and they were just acquired in january by boston scientific
0: impressive i mean congratulations
1: so that's why i'm more involved and have much more expertise on the early phase of efforts for clients more so than later on so that's sure
0: okay i'd like to clarify something's been kind of intriguing me for a while Paraguay, am I correct in, in saying that Paraguay is a very good place for early stage trials like for cardiovascular uh, devices? But anything other than that is difficult because you don't have an equivalent atrium efner in other uh, therapeutic areas. Is that correct or not?
1: So there's a, a couple of different answers to that. With APAMA that I was talking about a little bit earlier, that's an electrophysiology device. And okay. they don't really do electrophysiology down there. They don't you know, they don't have the economy to support yeah. all of the equipment that you need. So yeah. mm-hmm. we did our first four patients for APAMA down in Paraguay just to prove our catheter feasibility. And we brought all of the equipment down there. We actually shipped it all. And there's been a couple of companies that actually have shipped down robotic equipment. You know, they were doing robotic and laser, for example. So you know, you can do whatever you want to do in that lab because, you know, he runs that lab, Yeah, yeah. but you have to realize that or, you know, it's just basically a, you know, a cath lab, but because Adrian is a cardiac surgeon and an interventional cardiologist, that's why it's primarily cardiology. If his expertise or he partners with someone who's in the endovascular or the vascular uh, peripheral space, if he partners with somebody like that and they're willing to come to his facility, you know, then he can, you know, he can Mm. do whatever a client needs. So the only reason why it's been primarily cardiology is because this is a project that Adrian put together. Otherwise Mm -hmm. you go there and you companies love it because they can make um, his facility their own. Yeah. And they can bring their own operators. Yeah. So if you've got one investigator and he's doing all the animal preclinical work here in the United States, you can't take someone like that to Brazil, to Dante Pazanese and have him scrub yeah. and do cases. You can't we've, do that.
0: Yeah. We've done the same thing in Colombia for MicroLand, my Microspan in Avenger, actually. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So when you go to the Czech Republic or Poland or any of the, the, the European locations, you also struggle with being able to have your physicians from the U S you know, scrub and, and participate yeah. in procedures. If exactly. they're an
0: awesome. Laura, I mean, so if there's anything I can do to help you in Colombia with one of your clients, I mean, we can partner up with that. I mean, there'll be a very interesting collaboration.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, If you have anything that you can send me that sort of uh, details, like for what I did for APAMA, where I did it on my own at SES, I would have used you because it wasn't that it was for a lack of funds that we were making those efforts to Columbia. It was just because I didn't have anybody else. And so basically him and I, but, you know, in the future, I would rather work with someone like yourself. Exactly. I have a whole team.
0: We've done this for about 10, 10 years already. Clara, thank you so much. It Thanks, was really, Leo. really a pleasure getting to know you over the phone. And I look forward to meeting you in person someday, hopefully.
1: Uh, I do too as well. And, you know, I'm sure Pedro knows who I am. Yeah, at least yeah, I'm seeing sure. my name float around. So we're, yeah. we're actually getting on a plane on Sunday to go to Paraguay. So
0: Awesome, awesome. Okay. Um, much success right. with your trip to Paraguay and uh, look forward to getting back in touch. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Have a great Bye-bye. weekend. Take care. You too.